welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we slowly go insane. I'm Liv. And I'm Talon. And today we watched Zolushka from 1979, uh, which we have dubbed the wispy Russian Cinderella. Talon, can you set the scene for our listeners? How does this Once Upon a Time begin? Uh, So it's animated. Let's get that out of the way. So it begins with like a Once Upon a Time song while the credits are rolling. And it's all in Russian. And though we have seen this with subtitles in the past, that was not the case this time. So a lot of this information is going to be newer than you might expect for Liv. Yes. So what I found interesting about this was that I had already watched it, but had forgotten 100% of it, except for the big <laughs> boat-like shoes that she wears. But I also forgot that the opening opens on what I think of as a very typical Dracula castle with very typical Dracula font and Dracula statuary and Dracula scenery. So I was, especially not having the subtitles, what I had was a weirdly, are you sure this isn't a Dracula? Are you sure? Because I think this is going to turn into a Dracula somehow. There was a lot of like silhouetted hills with like, spindly buildings on top of them and moonlight so I definitely see where you're coming from it was not in fact a Dracula it was a Cinderella the opening song basically tells the usual background information so it goes there lived a woodsman and he had a daughter that he loved very much and then it describes how wonderful she is in the most Russian way I can imagine Uh, which is the sun shone for her, the rose bloomed for her, the bear danced for her. Oh my god, are you serious? A hundred percent serious. The bear danced for her? That's so... Oh, I missed the subtitles. Damn it. Okay. (laughs) From there, it goes on, that's how things were. Uh, And then it says, but then an evil stepmother appeared, as if she just kind of poofed into existence. Like all evil, evil stepmothers do. Yeah. And everything changed, and she loves her daughters, and she makes Cinderella work. The thing about this is that the father is alive the whole time. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was really weird that the father was alive. I didn't understand that part at all. I didn't notice that that was weird until I watched it with Liv, who was like, why is he letting this happen? And you have to understand... I love this version of Cinderella. <laughs> like, I grew up with this cartoon. This I love this Betty, cartoon. This is your Betty Boop. This is the same thing. We're, I'm having the same experience this week that you had last week. I just, I thought it was basically perfect. I didn't see anything wrong. I thought it was mm-hmm. sweet. I thought it was cute. Mm-hmm. Um, the father just watches his daughter be abused by his wife. And there's a moment where, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it when we talk about the party. So basically, we see a lot of Cinderella carrying a whole bunch of plates and running up and down stairs as her very pointy stepmother. She's very conical, very conehead stepmother. They are kind of a coneheaded family. I... They are. The stepmother is very coneheaded. Uh, one of the daughters is plump and round, and the other one is dark-haired and extremely pointy. I would go with needle-like. She is a needle-like person. Yes. Um, uncomfortable, I would say. Visually unpleasant to watch. They're not, 
like ugly, but they are weird looking. <laughs> They're extremely weird looking. Um, the fashions are very, again, sort of pre-revolutionary France. So very tall hairstyles, very long faces and elongated bodies. It, it looks almost like a Modigliano painting, just yes! yes! We didn't describe Cinderella. And what I want everybody to do is to picture those big eye paintings of sad children that were kind of popular in, I want to say, the 70s, because she looks like that. She's this tiny, wispy little girl with giant bug eyes and like a hat bonnet situation and big wooden clog shoes. Big wooden clog shoes. Wooden clog shoes that you could sail to China in. Just massive. There's a boating expedition that happened with those shoes. I want to see that story. <laughs> so I guess she's supposed to be Swedish. Do we think that this was meant to be Swedish? Do you mean Swedish, like she's a sweet person, or Sweden is in like the country? The country. Is that not where wooden clogs are a thing? Because they're not a thing in Russia that I know of. They're not a thing in Russia? Then why are they in a Russian cartoon? Is this supposed to be set in Sweden? Why would it be set in Sweden if it, I... Mm, no. That's what I'm asking you. See, my experience was, yeah, yeah, Russians wear big Russian wooden shoes. That's a cultural, I'm, I'm culturally aware, and that's, I'm familiar with that. That's not weird at all. This is fine. This is fine. I'm no, sure I don't think it. this is a thing. And I'm used to Cinderella being like a French thing, so I thought maybe they were going for France, but the clogs. Yeah, the clogs are weird. French pre- pre-revolutionary France had patens, which were big wooden shoes that you would wear that were basically just high-heeled platforms to keep your feet out of the mud. I knew they, you would know something about this. I knew you would know. I'm, I'm talented. But, <laughs> but they weren't clogs. They were just, they were like those horrible flip-flops that were popular in the late 90s that were Ooh, just seven-inch tall flip-flops that just, if you wanted to break an ankle real easy, those just instant broken ankle those they were like those but wood yeah these are these are clogs anyway so she's blonde she's tiny she has giant bug eyes and her deal is that this is how things are because that's all the song says is that this is how things are these are the things and it makes more sense that she's staying there because her father is still alive which makes it both better and worse i guess she also seems a lot younger than I was expecting. I would put her at 14 max. I could not get any age on any of these people. They were all just weird half-elf children for whom age is a meaningless concept. Okay, we can go with that. When we talk about the prince's cheekbones and eyebrows, (laughs) I feel this point is going to gain a couple of strong, strong moments. Support? Support. Strong support. Support. Yeah, 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 yeah. The window blows open with the transformation, with a loud announcement of what I assume is the party invitation. Tell them what does the actual invitation say? Because it was in Russian, which I don't speak. Essentially, it said, attention, attention. The king would like to announce that tomorrow there will be a big and loud ball. And everyone who shows up, yes, it specifically says loud. And everyone who shows up will be delighted to be there. Good. To, I, I'm going to start announcing my parties that way. When I, when I have movie nights, when this pandemic is over. I'm oh gonna, my God. One day. I'm just, just going to announce that everybody's going to have a good time at my house. If the kink says you're going to have a good time, I it suppose. might be 
more likely than you would think. It might be an actual decree. That's fair. So everyone, all the girls jump up and down. They're very excited. We're going to a ball. We're going to a ball. No. Oh, no. They're not saying we're going to a ball. They just all say the word ball over and over again. Ball. Right. Good. Good. I'm glad we clarified aren't you glad, that. Aren't you glad that, they're, yes. that you're getting this translation now? I was inserting a lot more into this than is there. Anyway, so Cinderella also bounces with joy, evidently shouting, ball, ball. And everyone stops and sort of looks at her like, what are, you're not going. Don't just, you're not coming. And she, she gets has, very sad. She has um, this almost Pokemon-like moment where she goes, ball, ball. And then questioning, ball? And then sadly, ball. Um, <laughs> we should replace it with Pikachu to see what happens. <laughs> to sort of take you on the emotional journey that she was on. <laughs> so they look uh, through a dress book full of pictures of dresses, and the stepmother and stepsisters are very excited and pointing at pictures of very fancy clothes. And this is the moment I was talking about earlier where the father <laughs> takes the book and points at another one, clearly indicating, I don't think there were words at this time, but clearly indicating, well, what about this one for, you know, my biological child that lives here with me under my protection, who is also part of this family. And the stepmother looks at him and kind of smiles. And then her smile changes to sort of a jeering smile. And then she takes the book out of his hand takes the page, rips it out, rips it up in tiny pieces and throws it at Cinderella. It's yeah. very sad. <laughs> that part genuinely like made me a little misty. And he doesn't do anything about that. He has the sort of, oh, what could I possibly do face? Yeah, he has a very, aww. A four-year-old being told that, no, you can't watch a second episode of Teletubbies. You have to go to bed now. That sort of, aww face and it was it was just upsetting it, it made me mad I think the creators intended us to feel bad for him is the weird part because he's got this sort of cherubic face with these bright pink cheeks and this big like blonde beard and he makes these sad eyes all the time and I think we're supposed to be like wow this poor man so beset by life so under the thumb of this vile woman but no, there's no ah. reason for it. It's not, th there's, there's no indication that she holds any power over him, um, either financially or physically or emo there's no sense that she has any power over him other than he just decides to do whatever she says. So it's, it's really weird. It's not like she's a giant person and he's very stick-like and it's clear that it's one of those comedy beats where the wife is very much physically more powerful than the husband. It's just they're of similar sizes. It, it made me mad. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So <laughs> I don't, I'm moving on. So Cinderella makes all their dresses. They're beautiful. She does They're, an amazing job. And the mannequins. I wanted to talk about the mannequins. So yes. I grew up in a dressmaking household. So I am used to the concept um, of having mannequins about and that you would shape them in the shape of a specific person so that you could easily make dresses. My Friends in high school were not familiar with this concept, so I brought new friends home one time, and their immediate response, these were guys, I feel, I would hope that my female friends would be more chill, but my dude friends came over and were immediately uh, frightened and said, why do you have three headless, armless, legless bodies in your back room? For and murder just, reasons. Until that moment, at 16 or 17, it had not occurred to me that that was weird. 
So she falls asleep in weariness, the candle burns down, and she has a, a lovely scarf, piece of transparent cloth near her. Wispy. It's very wispy. It's wispy. The whole thing is wispy. And her stepsister sneak down in their shifts. And I think the... I, I thought, at any rate, that Cinderella was keeping this piece of fabric for her to use as a bow or to as a sash or something pretty for herself. And so the stepsisters steal it and run upstairs and then they ring for her. And they're wrapping it around themselves and tying their hair in bows, clearly mocking her. And so she comes upstairs and, no? Is that not what happens? No, no. She was working on their dresses and she fell asleep and they took the piece of fabric and it's pretty. So they're playing dress up with it. I don't think they were mocking her. I thought they were like mocking her and that they'd stolen her nice thing. Yes, but then it turns out to be the last piece of the thing for the dresses, which she opens to reveal. Also, before we leave the setting of the house, the the wallpaper in the house is clearly supposed to be how uh, walls were decorated, which was with fancy fabrics. Uh, you would have silk wallpapers that were had intricate designs, but they chose a red color and they chose sort of a paisley design that was gold. And so the whole thing just looks like intestinal lining. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get past the, like, you have, you have intestines on your wall. Why do you have intestines on your wall? Are you back to, is this like one of those children's shows where we watch the cells in the body have their own experience? Is this you know, what? it's interesting that you mentioned that because I thought that the fairy godmother's dress was very amoeba-like. It was. It was very amoeba-like. I have it down as, uh fantasy ancient Chinese dragon because she doesn't have feet or legs she just has a long flowy dress that tails off it's it's very but it ends in a point but it also flows and does wispy it, amoeba things it is robe-like and so it undulates yeah it, it is amoeba-like I would go down with this fairy godmother is the amoeba fairy godmother okay okay so the family gets into the carriage to leave and the stepmother calls Cinderella over and gives her what I assume was a list of chores, one of which must have been exceedingly bad because the father gets a concerned look in his face and the stepsisters nod along and then they drive off. What was the weird item on that list that made the father respond so? I'm so glad you asked because there were several. Um, So the godmother, the godmother, the stepmother, wow, we've both done that now. The evil stepmother goes, I need you to work just a little bit more and gives her a list of things that involve chopping enough wood for the month, grinding down enough coffee for a year. Um, In addition to washing all the pots and pans and doing the floor, she also asks her to plant 40 roses and to sweep the paths in the garden until they grow. And if she does all that, she can come and look through the windows of the palace to watch the ball, you know, after is, is the roses no- grow. Is that a normal chore list in Russia, Colin? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no. I know we're not going to talk anymore about the father being a terrible father, but he is their coachman, and he leans over to open the door as if Cinderella's going to get in in her, like, raggedy dress. And then that's when the chore list happens. And that's why he looked concerned, I think. Okay. So they drive away. And Cinderella does a whole bunch of chores. 
the background is basically entirely black at this point. So it just looks like she's washing soot on everything. There's a chore montage and she she, she is Cinderella. So yeah, I it mean could I'm not expecting there to be I'm not expecting there to be no soot, but she's just washing a black thing with black stuff blackly. It's Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> Anyways, so she collapses in exhaustion trying to chop wood. She kind of lifts her lifts the axe to chop the wood and then drops it and does a lot of swirly motions. Oh, she dances with mop shoes first. She's mopping the floors and she has brush shoes that are brushes and she is dancing the suds across the floor. Which I think might be the first time we see that her feet are insanely small. Okay, they are insanely small, but they are not Betty Boop insanely small. They are at least human shaped. Well, within, Betty Boop I don't know, had like high heel where like Barbie feet where she stands on her tiptoes all the time yeah or like like point shoes I feel like this Cinderella had feet that were within at least a factor of 10 scalability of what feet are supposed to be yeah so I liked that so (laughs) she sleeps the fairy godmother appears she is as we discussed uh see-through amoeba-like amoeba-like and And very sparkly very extremely sparkly amoeba sparkly wise amoeba Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. is pretty and shiny and says something she doesn't say anything doesn't say anything she just starts transforming things okay so she transforms the pumpkin and the mice and that's actually a really pretty transformation just the animation was really nice it doesn't just go pumpkin coach it the pumpkin gets bigger and then in stages and slowly expands. I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was a really nice pumpkin to coach transition and the mice to horses. I thought it was also really well done. The horses have a very demon horse, night on bald mountain feel to them where they sort of glow and they look kind of dangerous. Like they're the kind of horses you get on and go for a ride that lasts a hundred years and you die at the end of it. See, like this might be... <laughs> This might be one of those holdovers from just watching this a lot as a kid. I think they're pretty. I thought that they were very fancy. They were like decorated. My thing is with the lizards that get turned into coachmen. Because there are lizards. There are lizards in this one too. Lizards also get turned into coachmen. This is the second one. I didn't, I never noticed that there were lizards the last time. That's like a, that's like a part of the Cinderella story. That's like a thing. No. Yeah. This is. Uh-huh. This version and Betty Boop are the only versions I've ever encountered that have lizards. I feel like you're going to encounter a whole lot more. I feel like it, but everything I've encountered, it's always mice and rats. The rats get turned into oh. coachmen and the mice get turned into horses for some reason. It doesn't ever make any sense. It's just, it's bigger so it can become a human, which is smaller than a horse. It's smarter. I don't know. There's no reason. But lizards are just weird. I, I was surprised to see lizards again. Well, I was not expecting a lizard theme. There's lizards, and they get turned into humans that still look kind of lizard-like. Like, they're, there's something about their noses that, like, retains the lizard face, and they also look very confused. Like, they're sitting on top of the coach, and you get the sense that they're still thinking, like, lizard thoughts. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm very high up from the ground. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so then the dress changes, and the dress just sort of does a a line transition where a line just goes down her body in a horizontal manner and the dress above is a different dress than the dress below. 
It happens because the fairy godmother takes like a little wreath off her own head and places it on Cinderella's head. And from the wreath down, the transformation goes like a wave or like a PowerPoint transition. PowerPoint transition, magic gown. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> it's a very pretty dress. It's blue. It's revolutionary France style. It's nice. So she gets into the carriage and the fairy godmother tells her that you have to be home by midnight. You don't know that. You is don't that know what, that's what she says. Is that what she says, Talon? Yes, that's what she says. Good, good. I'm glad that we're arguing on this point. Uh, I've, I've learned Russian. I know many Russian phrases. I can say I'm not hungry. You taught me that as a self-preservation method years ago. <laughs> I still remember it. I don't know uh, that it's ever worked for you. It has but... never worked for me. It has not once kept me from being fed. However, I still live in hope. So they drive the carriage to the palace. And again, I got a very strong night on Bald Mountain. This is a horror Dracula theme. This is, this is scary. This was a scary scene. The backgrounds are all very, very dark. And that's because the animation happens on a separate layer. And it's like one of those things like in old Scooby-Doo cartoons where you can tell which door they're going to open because it's colored differently. But nothing's colored differently because they don't interact with the background at all. And the background is very, very dark all the time. It is very beautiful. It was just one musical decision away from just being the introduction to a horror film where Renfield is being driven in a carriage to go to Dracula's castle. I can't get past this. I'm sorry. Are you implying your Renfield Dracula romance? Yes. So they get to the castle. <laughs> <laughs> they get to the castle and the castle steps are scary. The castle steps have all these cracks in them and they look very decrepit. There are also 100,000 steps. Yes. More steps. There are enough steps to climb to the Eiffel Tower. But, but... It's the same amount of steps going in as going out, which is a key Cinderella decision that has to be, you know, consistent. Because in the Betty Boop Cinderella, there were way more stairs going out than there were when she came in. That is fair. That is, that's fair. So she arrives in the palace. People are dancing. They are all clones of one another. There is no yeah. individuation at this point. Uh, all the women are identical. All the men are identical. They're very pale, very bland. They're also all very gray-toned. Oh, this is so cute. Okay, this is like the only characterization we get for Cinderella, but she goes around just like helping people. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. The king greets her at the door, which is a weird thing for a king to do, but his like cape gets caught on something and she ducks down and fixes it. She sees some plants that are dying. She waters them. She fixes a crooked portrait. Which then Harry Potter style bows to her in appreciation. It's a portrait it, of a cat also. I think it's meant to be Puss in Boots. I think it's we have like that, a crossover. That would make sense because it was a cat and it was in sort of a Three Musketeers style and it bowed to her and I loved it. And then <laughs> the, the conductor knocks his music off of his stand and she hands it to him. It's very sweet. It really is. It's for a very small scene, you really get a sense that this girl is actually very sweet and just wants to help people and be useful and is kind. So at this point, she now has a personality and I really she like She has it. um characteristics. Characteristics. Okay, maybe personality is too strong. <laughs> okay, so at that point, she sees the prince and Liv, would you describe the prince for us? Cheekbones. Uh-huh entirely composed of cheekbones. There's nothing to this prince except for cheekbones. 
He has very pointy eyebrows. He's very femmy. He looks like a princess. I don't. <laughs> there is another fairy tale where the princess has to dress as a boy to go save someone from something. And this is that story. This is the prince in quotation marks. This is a very beautiful princess who is dressed up as a boy and gone to a castle for some reason that we are not privy to. She's not trying very hard. I, I don't know. Like, you have to know that it's a boy, I guess. You do. You do. There is not an assumption that this... There's not, like, any other context. <laughs> if, if someone just showed you a picture of, the, of this face and said, what role do you think that this person would play in a fairy tale? The answer is princess. Yeah, duh. Um, he has, like, shoulder-length brown hair with, like, swoopy bangs and very eyes. sad eyes. Huge, soulful eyes and just very soft features, but extremely, again, I cannot emphasize how many cheekbones this man has. It's just... It's two. He has two cheekbones. Is it two? Because they're just so big. I would say that this is my ideal man. Just very sad looking with sharp cheekbones. If he had bags under his eyes, like, that would be it. That would be, like, my dream, my dream guy. That explains literally everything about you. <laughs> um, okay, this is who so, we are. So this is my favorite moment because if you're going to fall in love at first sight, like, I better believe it. I better <laughs> see it, and it better have a visual cue, such as a floating flower <laughs> it's a that just of- appears between the two of you and it's also about half the size of a human it is a giant floating translucent glowing tulip that moves that's how you know they're in love it bows to them and they start sort of reaching towards each other from a distance and the king kind of pats his son on the shoulder in a go on son kind of way and then they gaze into each other's eyes and begin to sing, but I don't think their mouths move. They, they begin, they, they bow to one another, and the uh-huh. flower bows with them. Yes. And then they begin to play uh, helium balloon hot potato with the flower. But before I can really process what's happening, they float up into the air and continue to play hot air balloon slow motion catch with this invisible translucent child size glowing tulip the background also turns very like cosmic and we get a very hang on i I wrote this down i just oh okay dream of conscious responded to this (laughs) whole thing the we get a very realistic flower it's not a tulip at this point it's some sort of open petaled flower like a pansy or something it's not a pansy but it's something Mm -hmm. drawn very realistically Nothing else in the film is drawn realistically. This is the only moment of realism. The center of the flower then drops out, and we go shooting into the cosmos. Yes. Out of the cosmos come several flocks of white birds, not with faces or anything, just the outline of birds, just the concept of birds, the platonic ideal of a flock of birds flying out of the cosmos at you. Like that kind of M shape that kids draw, but coming at you. And then it's just... There's There's shapes. There's two of them then. There's multiples of them. There are two of them. Well, you get a close-up of their faces, but you can also see them not close-up. 
and they're they're not really dancing so much as they're kind of holding hands as they float and it feels more like the way that their bodies are moving are in response to a lack of gravity rather than actual dancing moves yes it is a very anti-grav romance scene i i think that it is clear that they were drawing two separate couples in an attempt to do sort of a we're here and we're over here montage but in no way do they make that clear so there are literally just two cinderellas and two princes for a bit which okay sure that's not crazier than anything else i just watched see i didn't register that as weird it felt very normal also in this cosmic glow her dress becomes completely see-through yes in the sense that her wide and poofy dress now shows all of her legs up to silhouetted waist silhouetted so it's very weirdly almost explicit i don't know it was weird it you're not supposed to see leg silhouette up to the belly button in that kind of gown i'm just saying it was like magical and translucent and they were just silhouetted so it wasn't like fleshy or anything i thought it was to help them animate what's happening with her legs on account of the floating that would make more sense but it just it it felt like one of those scenes in a gothic romance novel where the woman appears in her nightgown which is totally you know throat to floor but she appears in front of a window and glowing behind her and you can see her silhouette and it drives the male protagonist mad with lust or something. I don't know. It was uncomfortable. I didn't like it. <laughs> see, I thought it was just pretty. It seemed like whimsical to me. I have a question for you. Yes. What do you think the song was about that they're singing to each other? Dear listener, bear in mind that I have already watched this once before with subtitles. So the answer to this question has been blocked from my mind. I do not know. So even though I have already seen this, this is a brand new question for me. I assume that this song was about love and feeling like you know someone forever or maybe the color oh, of their eyes. You said the magic word. Forever. 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 Yes. Okay. yes. You got it. Awesome. Subconscious. One for me. So here's how the song goes. Where did we live? How did we live? Today we forget because we met each other. And then they just say the word forever roughly eight times. And they're like, we don't know who is from where. And we forgot ourselves who we are. We just know that this is a miracle and it happened to us. And then they say forever a few more times. And then there's this bit where they're like, night is coming to a middle and the bird of happiness is singing. We can never part. And then they say the word never roughly eight times. And that's when the clock starts striking midnight. And as the clock strike mid- strikes midnight, gravity kicks in again, and they fall. And we know that this is literal, because when the background comes back and we see them in the palace, they're like, the princess cape floats down, and the two little sailor strands that the wreath that Cinderella has are also floating down, as is her skirt. So, So, like, we're meant to interpret this fairly literally, I think. Yeah, they really do fall. She then leaves, and he follows her down a hundred thousand staircases. So many staircases. She makes really good time down. I'm just saying, if I went that fast down 
that many staircases, I would fall and break my neck. She so, does manage to leave her shoe behind and she sprints off. I thought it was really sweet that he was kind of holding her hand. And then when she goes to leave, he lets go of her hand and just kind of watches her leave. And then you kind of see the gears turn in his head and then he starts running after her, which is why she had enough time to get away. Okay, sure. We'll, we'll call that a sweet moment. Sure. I thought it was cute. It's not not cute, okay? I'll give you that. It is not not cute. So she runs, her pumpkin friends all turn back into pumpkins and mice and lizards, and she turns back into her old clothes, and she ducks behind a tree to the side of the road as the prince, and then the entire court, for some reason, run past her, uh, trying to find where this mystery woman has gone. They get to a closed gate, and the prince just looks through the gate sadly, clearly wondering, oh no, where has this beautiful mystery woman gone? And then to be noticed- fair, to yeah. be fair, if you are running after a carriage and you lose sight of it, and then you get to the gate and the gate is closed and you don't see the carriage anymore, your first thought would probably not be it has turned into a pumpkin and the girl of my dreams is still on premises. I don't disagree. It's just, this is the first scenario that I've seen where he encounters her where, where he has the actual option to catch her. He, they cross paths that night again. All the other Cinderella's, she makes it home and he starts looking for her the next day. Or he tries to find her, but she's already gone. This is the only one where she leaves, he follows, and then he catches up but does not know it's her for very oh. good reasons. So for me, that was a interesting. That's an interesting beat. Yeah, because that doesn't happen in any other Cinderella that I've seen. She's also just sitting there crying while we see everything happen behind her. Yeah, it's sad. So This is a sad Cinderella. Well, it is Russian. We, we said that in the beginning, so we don't need to be repetitive about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then the prince remembers that he has his shoe and he, her shoe, I'm sorry. He has <laughs> the shoe, which is smaller than the palm of his hand, I would just like to point out. He is able to close his entire fist around it to press it to his heart. And we know that it's a small shoe even in the context of this because his father, the king, plucks it out of his hand and kind of marvels at it and passes it along to everybody else in the court, some of whom are holding it up with just their index finger and their thumb because that's how small it is. And everyone's just kind of like losing their minds at how tiny this little glass slipper is. So then we have more trumpet blowers. Fortunately, these three just remain in solitary poses with little bows on their feet and feathers in their hats and their pants stay on. I loved it. I was very proud. (laughs) It's a low bar, but they passed it. There were no wardrobe malfunctions with the trumpeters this time. I'm happy about it. And then we see a page boy kneeling and trying to put this tiny shoe on a conveyor belt of identical legs. There's no other way to describe it. I love that he's not even trying to put them on these women's feet. He's just measuring the bottom of their foot to the bottom of the shoe and just shrugging every single time and moving on to the next one. But it's a, it is a conveyor belt. The women don't get up and move. It's a conveyor belt. They are conveyed. Oh, the- 100%. Yes, I'm not arguing that point at okay. all. Nor the fact that these are clearly the clones that we saw earlier yes. at the ball. Yeah, I just... I just wanted the audience to understand that there's no moving. It's literally a conveyor belt of identical legs. It's, it's an interesting choice. 
I don't know why you're so upset about this. It seems like a very efficient system, much more efficient than erecting a pyramid and making everybody climb it. If you climb a pyramid, you're getting your cardio in for the day. You have a healthier population. Okay. <laughs> so, so then we cut to the stepmother who has the shoe for some reason and is trying to fit it on her daughter's feet to various... Uh, it doesn't work. Antics. There are antics. It doesn't uh, work even a little bit. She eventually gives up and calls Cinderella over to he- try, to, to help put the shoe on the stepmother stepsisters which she manages to do she manages to sort of slip the shoe somehow onto the pointy stepsister who kind of jumps up while holding her foot straight out because she can't put any pressure on it without like screaming in pain and And the prince and the king just both shake their heads with their hands up like ma'am no like we literally are standing right here we saw this (laughs) absolutely not you are not the right person at which point she starts to howl in pain and her foot explodes out of the shoe and the shoe flies across in a giant arc giant arc it is propelled by rocket fuel it is propelled by love and magic and rocket fuel (laughs) (laughs) and it lands directly next to cinderella who the prince now notices for the first time and he kneels down next to her and he picks up the shoe and holds it out for her and she puts her foot in it and it fits and she pulls out her other foot from these giant wooden clogs and she's already wearing the glass slipper on the other foot inside the giant wooden clog. Which seems like doubly painful. Like both of those shoe choices are deeply unfortunate. And so we cut immediately from that to back to the ball? I thought that they were reusing footage and I was like very annoyed. But it's brand new footage because the flower appears again, but this time they're able to touch the flower, which is meaningful in some way. Also, the background is now instead of walls, the castle has clouds. It's just, it's an outdoor pavilion now. But it's, it's the same scene as the ball when they meet each other. It's just, now there's clouds. It, it was weird. It's unclear that they're in a new position. It's not, if, if you told me that they're, the song was saying that they had gone back in time to the ball, I would go, oh, okay, that makes sense that they wind back up there. No, the song is saying we're never going to be parted, and then they're just repeating the word never, but she's still wearing the same dress from the ball. Like, it's not a different dress. They're not getting married or whatever. Well, and a lot of Cinderella's, they get, I mean, we've seen multiple Cinderella's where the marriage gown, the reveal gown is the same as the last party, as, as the party gown. So I'm not mad about that. It's just that they're literally in the exact same positions on the staircase where she meets him the first time. And it just, it was weird. I'm just saying that if they wanted to signal visually to us that this was a different scene than the one we'd already seen, they did not. They did not do that. They did not. They did not at all. So then we, uh, the camera pulls back and we see the whole city, which again is very night on Bald Mountain. It's spooky. It's spooky. They're silhouetted. And then there's a town, and then we fade to black, and we get our gothy credits. The end! Ta-da! Ta-da! So, Talon, what (laughs) would you say your highs and lows are for this film? Well, okay. I... (laughs) You're gonna make fun of me. (laughs) I think the song where they sing together, when they meet each other, and they flow up into the clouds... 
I that's my favorite and I think the song is actually very beautiful and I think the moment is very beautiful and it's romantic my least favorite part is now the father thank you for that very much because he's there and he should be dead it would be better if he were dead yes the, the story would be would be better what are your highs what are your lows my high is definitely the fairy godmother. I love that she's a sparkly magic dragon amoeba. It just, it's a wonderful <laughs> take and it just, it makes me happy. I think my low would also be the father. Although the transition back to the identical scene at the end of the film, just in terms of story continuity, I didn't like that. I literally rewound back while we were watching it to see if it's the same scene, like, in terms of animation, if they just reuse something we'd already seen, but they move differently. And again, they touch the flower, uh, which before didn't happen. What do you think the flower means? I I think the flower is supposed to represent their love, but that's never really made clear. It's just a floaty, glowy, you know, toddler-sized tulip. So, so I'm changing, I'm changing mine. As much as I don't like the father, and I do not like the father, I don't like the flower. There's, I, I'm not happy that there is a floating, mobile, toddler-sized tulip that just floats between them and interact. I don't, it's-, it's When you say toddler-sized, it sounds like it's a flower fit in size for a toddler to hold, but it's toddler-sized in the sense that it's the size of a toddler. The size of a human toddler. It, <laughs> I feel like we're going to a little shop of horrors, feed me, Seymour environment. It just plants are not supposed to be that big and that mobile. They're not supposed to do that. So I, I'm going to go with my low is the plant. <laughs> so if you could change anything about this movie, what would you change? I, the father. Yeah. Oh, or the last scene. Oh, that's so hard. Oh, we have to choose one? We can change multiple things. Given some of the movies that we're going to review, things that are on our list, I know at least one of them is going to be, what would you change about this movie? I wouldn't have made it. Mm. Everything. I would would delete one of the future movies from existence, and you know which one it is, and I'm mad that we have to watch it again. I I don't think we have to be mysterious about what it is. It's all enchanted. I'm so mad we have to watch it again. That was a garbage movie. It was a garbage movie. But we're talking about this movie. We're talking about Wispy Russian Cinderella. What would you change about it? I think The Father is a, a fair answer for me as well. As much as the, I hated The Flower, The Father really screwed with the storyline. I, I will say that if you want to keep most of it the same, I would just make that person not her father, but like another person in the thing, like a servant. He could be a butler. It would be fine. It could be. It's. He could be the postman. It would be. (laughs) It would be better. It would be. He could be the royal announcer who shows up to announce the party. That's that would be. If instead of the windows blowing open. Blonde cherubic man just appeared to deliver that line and then left. Or hung around. That would be fine. I just I hated that that was her father. Yeah. And then, you know, the ending scene, I would have liked, I would have liked them to smooch. I don't know how it would have happened because the prince is roughly twice her height. And I think we kind of get it at the end in a silhouette, but. I think we get a silhouette kiss. I didn't need a smooch. There's just so, the puppy dog eyes in this movie are so 
sickeningly saccharine that I did not need a smooch. <laughs> the smooch was implied every time these big puppy dog eyes went ooh towards each other. I just, I don't think we needed a smooch. I think that would have been over the top. That, that's what would have made it over the top. Everything up until then was fine. Moving on. If you had to give this movie a final letter grade, what final grade would you give for this movie? A minus. Do you have any reasons for that or just A minus? I think it's beautifully animated. I think the music is lovely. I think it's very romantic. And it honestly would be an A plus if it wasn't for the father thing that you pointed out. But mostly, mostly it's just like such a piece of my childhood. and, And I have such a soft spot in my heart for it that I just... I love it. I I don't need like logic infused into this experience. I just want to continue loving it. How about you? What's your much more impartial grade? I would give it a B plus. Wow. For the same reasons. The animation is really beautiful. The scenery is extremely consistent and lovely and there's a strong feel to it. It's very strongly end-scened is weird but it's consistent (laughs) and pretty so i'm fine with it again i hate the father i don't think the songs add anything (gasps) oh how dare you i don't speak russian but they're like tell i don't speak russian the song was forever forever i think i think i actually forever forever no it didn't add anything sorry I actually think <laughs> being able to speak Russian detracted from my enjoyment of it. <laughs> so I envy you being able to listen <laughs> to it without knowing that they're literally saying the same word over and over again. <laughs> okay. I give it a B plus. I thought it was beautiful. I enjoyed, I genuinely enjoyed watching it. I would not be opposed to watching it again. It's weird and surreal, but delightfully so. And I um, clearly am down for delightfully surreal things. Okay, so here's a question we didn't do last time, but do you think our listeners should watch it? Yeah, it is really short. It's, I think it's 17 minutes long. That sounds right. Yeah, it's 17 minutes long. It's pretty. It's, I would recommend watching it. I think it's lovely. Okay. I assume, I assume you would as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think it's a great example of classic Russian animation just because it is so like weirdly wispy and kind of trippy, but um, it is, I think people might get a kick out of it. I think if you have 17 minutes and nine seconds to kill, uh, this is not the worst way you could spend your time. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that statement. Was there anything else that you feel like you wanted to address about this movie? I don't think so. I think we talked about everything that made me confused or sad or angry. Excellent. Well, it's almost midnight, so thanks for joining us, everyone. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you, so follow us at CinderPod on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or email us at the Cinderella Podcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbity bobbity bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more adult beverages in the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. And until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after. <laughs>